You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. We have a special uh, double treat for you today. We all like double treats, right? We always want double scoops in our ice cream. But we have Pastor Michael Paderes here and Pastor June Escusar once again. And uh, Pastor Michael um, is the Executive Missions Director uh, for Every Nations. As we all know, we are a part of a bigger movement we call Every Nation uh, Ministries. Uh, Pastor Junesco also is the uh, Missions Director. They also sit as members of the board, of Apostolic Board for that entire movement. And they really are a family because at the same time, they see it as part of the board of this church, Victory Church of the Bay Area. So I don't treat them as guests. They really are a family to this church. I've worked with them for many years back at home, back in uh, Victory. And one thing I admire about uh, these two gentlemen is that their passion and really for God and to, to train people to, to live for God. And hopefully we could catch even just a little bit of that today, this morning. Okay? So I'm not going to delay this even further. Let's welcome Pastor Michael Paderas as he ministers to us. Thank you, Joel. Good morning, everyone. Okay, we are so excited to be here. Um, we were actually just here in January, and, uh, but we didn't get to stay here on a Sunday. So just to see where you are now, all this excitement, all the growth, it just really blesses our heart. And how many of you know it really is, comes down to the leadership of Pastor Neil and Blanche? Would you all just join me in honoring Pastor Neil and Blanche? Oh, there's, there's Blanche. Um, my wife and I have the privilege of having known them, being friends actually with them for over 20 years now, back when we were still students. Uh, believe it or not, there was at some point in history when we were students, including Joel. Okay, we were the youth of the church, and uh, we've known each other since then, been friends. So it's wonderful to see them flowing in God's call on their lives. So uh, just before we actually jump into the Word, let me give you a quick update. I hope you don't mind how fast I speak now because we have some limited time. But let me give you a very quick missions update, beginning with Nepal. Um, how many of you heard the devastating earthquake that just hit Nepal? Um, to this day... They're averaging two aftershocks. Now, we have a missionary team over in Nepal, a uh, small team. Uh, long story short, they had to revert to relief operations mode uh, after the earthquake. And uh, can't don't have time to explain it, but for some reason, all the NGOs in Nepal are very ill-equipped to do relief efforts. So really, our church became the headquarters of relief efforts. And to this day, actually by, at this moment, first of all, the whole every nation world rallied around Nepal and sold about $100,000. So our missionary team has been... Uh, just distributing over 13 tons of relief goods to this point, ministering to over uh, 11,000 families. And as a result, you know, actually all the non-Christian Nepalese and foreigners started helping our team because they saw it was the Every Nation Church that was one of the most efficient relief operations. They all started helping, and many of them got saved in the process. So they're still doing it. Please pray for our Nepal team. They're impacting that city like never before. But really, my story is this, that, uh, the next picture. On the upper left corner is the men's group of TJ. That's a small, that's a small group. TJ, our missionary, is the one in the red jacket. Okay? Now, in the middle photo on the upper upper level, the guy, the two guys in blue, TJ is the one to your right with glasses. To his right is Diwas. Okay, let me tell you Diwas' story just very quickly. Diwas was like any Nepali, a radical Hindu. So 10 days team, every nation 10 days team went to Nepal, tried to minister the gospel to Diwas. But again, like any radical Hindu, rejected the gospel. Until finally, out of desperation, the 10 days member was about to leave. So running out of options, he just thought, you know what, Diwas? I challenge you to challenge Jesus. And so Diwas was saying, challenge Jesus? What does that even mean? So bye, I'll pray for you. Bye-bye, God bless. So guy leaves. So Diwas, 
forgets everything. And then a few days later, he was in his room, he says. And then was bored doing nothing. And then he remembered the Jesus challenge. So since he was doing nothing, I'll try the Jesus challenge. Jesus, if you are real, show me that you are in my room right now. And he says, the moment he says that, he turns to his left, he finds his dictionary. So he gets his dictionary, opens his dictionary, guess which letter he finds himself in? Letter J. Guess which word he sees first? Jesus. Yeah. So he kind of throws the dictionary. Ah, cancel, cancel. That's not true. Ah, erase, erase. Okay, so forgets about that. A few days later, I forget which government agency. D was lines up for some government, something. And so he finds himself at the back of the line. Now, according to Diwas, it takes three hours to get from where he was to the front of the line. So again, he was kind of getting impatient, getting uh, irritated. He remembers the Jesus challenge. So he says, Jesus, if you are real, get me to the front of the line right now. And again, uh, by Diwas' testimony, without exaggeration, as soon as he said that, this big Nepali government official walks to him with a mustache, points at him at the back of the line, you! Come with me and brings him all the way to the front of the line. Okay, Diwas gets saved at some government office in Kathmandu, Nepal. But that's not the end of Diwas' story. So what Diwas does now is he invites his friend, Sonu, introduces Sonu to TJ. So TJ does one-to-one -one with Sonu in front of Diwas. Wow, so Diwas was impressed. Now he brings Filash, brings him to TJ. And again, TJ does one-to-one -one with Filash. And then he brings Abhijit. To TJ, again, same thing. Now, uh, Diwas is thinking, I can do this. And so Diwas, uh, Diwas goes to his friend Ashis. Okay, does one-to-one -one with Ashis. Ashis gets saved. Now, while Diwas was doing one-to-one -one with Ashis, Ashis was thinking, you know what? I can do that. So Ashis goes to his friend Sujal. Yeah, Sujal. And then does one-to-one -one with Sujal. And Sujal gets saved. How many of you know we make disciples to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples? And the result is that small group up there in Nepal of men. If all of us just make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples, we will reach all of San Francisco. Amen? All right, just very quickly, let me introduce my family to you. Okay, this is my family. Okay, this was, if you're a Filipino, this was taken in Boracay last month where I did a wedding. Pia is my wife to my right of 20 years. We celebrated our 20th anniversary um, just last January. Again, both of us are dear friends of Pastor Neil and Blanche along with others. We have a barcada that grew out of being ushers. We were all ushers way back when we were students, and to this day, we've remained friends. Uh, Sophia, in the, is that pink? Yeah, in the pink dress is my eldest. She's a sophomore in university now. Uh, Christina is our middle child, the one in an aqua dress. She's uh, junior high, and Luis, our only boy to your extreme left, is also in junior high. Turned, Luis turned 14 three days ago, but actually Monday, or seven days ago, Monday, and Christina, when I get home, will turn 15 on August 11th. So that's my family. Now, we are starting a brand new series today called Indeed. Okay? And what this series is about is the, about the evidence of salvation in our lives. In other words, the Bible says, you shall know a tree by its fruit. And so the world will know, and we ourselves can be assured how genuine our faith is by the fruit in our lives. Indeed. In other words, this Christianity that we believe is not just some ineffectual, safe concept that we just add to all the other things that we believe in. In other words, this is a life-changing message. We cannot encounter Jesus and not leave changed. When Diwas encountered Jesus Christ in that government office, he left a new Diwas. 
And so we will know over the next few weeks as we look at God is light, God is righteous, God is love, and God is victorious. As we evaluate our lives in the light of who God is, we will see if God has truly changed us in our lives and if the fruit of our faith is evident in our lives. Now, we're not talking about how to get saved. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. That is indisputable. What we're talking about is the evidence of salvation in our lives. Now, this series is based on the book of 1 John, and it's called, again, Indeed, because John gives us some of the most profound images of Jesus Christ or of God. All right. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 1. Now, the passage actually for this, for this message today is from 1 John chapter 5 all the way to chapter 2, verse 11. But for the sake of time, we're not going to go through the whole passage. I'll just kind of highlight some of the key passages and basically make comments. So beginning in verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him, John heard from Jesus, and proclaim now to you that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. So the first picture John gives us of God is that God is light. Because John was there when Jesus proclaimed in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if God is light, what that means is that he is both the source and the measure of all truth and holiness. In other words, it's not up to us. We don't make up the rules. God is the source and the measure of all that is true and all that is holy and right. See, a lot of people say, oh, we need to adapt to the changing times and its evolving definition of what is true and right. But if God is light, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That means truth is absolute, truth is universal, truth is timeless. It never changes. And what that means for us is the Bible is our standard for how to live. It is the absolute word of God that never changes and is the blueprint by which we know what is right and what is wrong. All right. Now, what does light primarily do? What's the function of light? What does it do? It shines on darkness. I'll answer my own questions because we're short on time. What does light do? It shines on darkness. It shows what's been hidden in darkness by dispelling darkness. That's the function of light. For example, if you're in a dark room, what do you do? You turn the light on so that all that's been hidden in the dark will be revealed by dispelling the darkness outside of the room. Now, if Jesus referred to himself as the light of men, the light of life, and the light of the world, what does it mean then? That means when we encounter Jesus, when we read God's word, it shines a light in our hearts. And it exposes or it reveals what's been hidden in the dark by dispelling what is dark in our hearts. So if light stands for truth and holiness, what does darkness stand for? Again, I'll answer my own question. Sin and falsehood. So when light shines, every sin and falsehood will be laid bare in our hearts. That's what it means that God is light. And when God shines His light on our hearts, we have two choices or two responses. Okay, number one, we can resist it or reject it. Okay, verse 6 and 8 says, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 8, If we say we have no sin, 
we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim to walk with God but live in sin, the Bible says we are deceived, we are liars, and the truth is not in us. That's the Bible, okay? So what people do is they either outrightly rebel against God or they try to redefine what is right and wrong. What used to be sin, now they say, oh, that's now normal and acceptable. I mean, that's basically how people deal with that if they want to reject the light. It's perfect example is like um, Superman, okay? Now, Superman, if you all know, stands for everything that's wholesome in America. I mean, you say Superman along the same lines as baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and then Superman, all right? Batman, Batman has a dark side. You all know that, right? Um, Iron Man can be a jerk. Uh, Spider-Man is a bit goofy. Captain America is dense or square. But Superman, he is perfect. Superman is Superman until, and I couldn't believe this, to be honest with you. I watched this version of Superman. I can't remember his name. Not the newest one, this guy. I forget his name. If you saw the movie, I was watching Superman, and then honestly, I was shocked. If you remember the movie, Superman had a child out of wedlock with Lois Lane, who was married to the son of Superman's boss. I mean, how twisted can you get? So even Superman now, who used to be the, who stood for everything clean and good and wholesome in America, is now an adulterer, okay? So that's how people adapt to the changing times, but not sin and not truth. Again, the devil's mission, remember, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let me give you a quick story that illustrates what the Satan is trying to do in our lives. Uh, this is a true story. Many years ago in New York, um, there was this guy, you know, woke up, got his coffee, dressed up for work, gets in his car, starts his car, parked out on the street, <coughs> nothing. It's not even, a, not even, just, <coughs> just dead, totally dead. And so he gets out of his car, opens the trunk, only to find out his battery was gone, the car battery. In other words, somebody stole the car battery. So couldn't believe it, shocked, and just gets on the bus, you know, uh, goes, to, goes to work that day. That night, when he got home from work, guess what he sees on his front door? There was a brand new car battery with a ribbon and a card. So, wow, he was so shocked. He gets the envelope, reads it, and says, I am so sorry I had to get your car battery because on our way to the hospital, I, I was getting my wife to the hospital. She was going to give birth. Our car died, wouldn't start. So we, uh, we stopped right in front of your house. I had to get your battery to get my wife to the hospital. So in return, uh, for all the trouble, here's two free tickets to New York and two free Broadway tickets, I think this weekend or something. So wow, the guy goes, wow, not only do I get a brand new battery, two free tickets to New York and two tickets to Broadway. So that weekend, he takes his wife to on a honeymoon of a lifetime, on a date of a lifetime. They go to New York, come back to his home. When he opens his door to his house, everything was gone. It's a true story. That's what the devil does to us. That's why he wants to keep us in the dark because he steals, he kills, he destroys. He will kill your relationships. He will destroy your life. He will uh, steal your joy, everything, your life. I mean, believe me, make no mistake about it. The devil is there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, again, we don't have the time to read the whole entire passage, but if you read this passage, when it talks about darkness, it's about lies, deceit, unrighteousness, hate, stumbling, and blindness. That's living in the darkness. Let me close with John chapter 3, this section, 19 to 21, describes those who resist the light. John 3, 19 to 20, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, 
and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Okay, one, we can resist the light or number two, we can repent. Okay, the way to defeat the enemy is to repent by being honest with ourselves. When we acknowledge who we are before God. See, when we do that, light shines in. And remember, light and darkness cannot coexist. There is no way, there's no place in the world where you have half the room is bright, half the room is dark. They cannot coexist. And the good news is light is stronger than darkness. When you go into a room and it's dark, you turn the light on. But if the room is bright, you can't turn darkness on. What do you do? You shut the curtains. You block the light or you resist the light. But the moment you draw the curtains, light comes in again, dispelling darkness. So the good news is light always wins. Okay, verse 7 and 9. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And hear this. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what the Bible says? If we confess our sins, God is faithful. He is just. Not only will he forgive us, the Bible says he will cleanse us from all of our sins. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what your past is. The Bible says his arm is not too short to save. I don't know all of you. I don't know what you've done in life. It doesn't matter. The Bible says if you confess, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins. You know, before I got on the plane to come here to the U.S., uh, what day was that? Sunday. Sunday last week or seven days ago. I had coffee with a Bhutanese pastor who's a friend, not with every nation, but a good friend of mine had coffee, who was imprisoned because he's a pastor preaching the gospel in Bhutan, which is illegal. Long story short, he was imprisoned, shared the gospel with his fellow prisoner. Now, he was explaining to me in Buddhism, there is no such thing as forgiveness of sins, only karma. So if you're a bad person today, all you have to look forward to is a life in the next life of being a cockroach. Basically, that's it. And so when he preached the gospel to this guy, he could not, my sins can be forgiven? Couldn't believe it. But eventually accepted the gospel, the forgiveness of Christ, and got saved right there in that jail in Bhutan. That's the power of the gospel. Again, that is why the gospel is good news. Now, if our choice is to repent, what does Jesus do? Okay? Now, I'll just go through this very quickly, basically combine the different concepts here. But chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Okay, this is John's purpose. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, propitiation is a theological word that basically means Jesus on the cross has satisfied the demands of holy justice. Because we sinned, we deserve eternal death, but because Jesus Christ died in our place, 
He became cursed for us, absorbed the wrath that is due us. We are no lo- our sins are no longer held against us. That's what it means. Uh, that's what propitiation means. That's the greatest news in the world. An advocate means in our context today, it's like a defense attorney. Okay, he pleads our case. Okay, Jesus defends us. Remember, Satan is the accuser. And the problem is, he has an open and shut case against us. We've sinned, we deserve death, we've been caught red-handed. It's a slam dunk case for Satan. Except Jesus is our advocate. Every time we sin, every time Satan accuses us, condemns us, Jesus is our defense attorney. And his defense is his death on the cross every single time. Jesus doesn't have to die several times each time. He just died once. It's now finished. It's a finished work. And every time we fall into sin, Jesus will defend us when we repent. So our guilt is gone. All charges are dropped. All the accusations are dropped. All the guilt is gone. All the shame is gone. Jesus vindicates us before God the Father. And so Jesus took our place. He pleads our case. And finally, not only does he forgive us, the Bible says he sanctifies us, which means Jesus makes us holy. That's why, again, verses 8 and 9 says, it cleanses us from all sin and from all unrighteousness. So when we encounter Jesus as the light, whether by reading the Bible or in our personal walk with him, when we humble ourselves before him and repent when we're convicted, the light shines into the darkness of our hearts. It exposes whatever sin or falsehood there is in our hearts. But when we repent, the light dispels the darkness out of our hearts. And when that becomes a lifestyle, that's how we defeat the enemy in our lives. God's grace is there for us to overcome sin. Remember, Jesus came to destroy the work of sin in our lives and in the world. It's no contest. 100% Jesus will win all the time. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why my simple point for you this morning is to live in the light is to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit to make us holy. That's how this fruit is evident in our lives, by responding to the light and cooperating with the Holy Spirit's work to make us holy through repentance, through humility, by responding to Jesus Christ. In closing, 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, and read this. I had to read this two times when I read it. But whoever keeps his word in him, listen to this, truly the love of God is perfected. That's quite a statement. And we'll comment on that in a few moments. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Well, what a statement. If we claim to be Christians, we need to walk as Jesus walked. But what really impacted me was that statement. If we keep his word, listen to this, the love of God is perfected in our lives. How can that happen? How can God's love be perfected in our lives? Okay, I believe it's when we repent, God's unconditional love comes into play 
and makes us holy. And that's how His love is perfected, by helping turn us from darkness into light so that we may live as Jesus lived, so that what we live, what we believe, and how we live is one and the same. Amen? Can I just, I'll turn it over to Pastor June in a few seconds, but can I just pray for all of you? Is that okay before I just close? Okay, Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you. Your word says, you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Lord, we thank you. This life of light is a life of abundance, Lord, a life of victory, a life of faith, Lord, a life of fullness, Lord, a life of peace and a life of joy. Lord, our simple prayer this morning is that, Lord, may we always have a tender heart before you. Lord, may we always be quick to repent, hating sin, but loving righteousness. Again, for no other reason, but so that your name would be honored in our lives. Our simple prayer is that when the world sees how we live, that they would see that your gospel is true, it does change lives, and that you are for real again, so that you would be glorified. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.